Alright, welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Troop Scout Leader, Lays with Beeb, also known as Dustin, last name Wall. Cross from me. I am the historian, Denim Wall, Smoking Dart. And in between the two Wall boys, you have myself, I'm Miles, aka Chief, runs with bins. And to kick this meeting off like we do the rest, let us do the Straight Arrow Oath. For those of you in scout uniform, three finger salute. Those in civilian clothes, hand over your heart. And repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow never misses a siesta. And a straight arrow is always against Bill HR 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We Matanya! We Matanya! All right, thanks for joining us on another episode. Great to have you here and great to be here. Uh, let's dive straight into this episode with a little bit of show notes from the historian. Yeah, so this episode is entitled The Three Days of the Condo. Uh, it's this still in the second season, episode 15. This is the 27th episode overall. It originally aired uh, February 15th, 1998. This episode was written by uh, two... Series first timers, but we're gonna get real, real <laughs> used to them. <laughs> They're John Alt Altschuler. I can't say. It. We'll get better at that. John Altschuler and Dave Krinsky. They're uh, they both only worked on one episode of a show called The High Life before this, um, as writers, and then. But this was their first episode of King of the Hill, and this relationship with Mike Judge is basically the defining moment of their career because everything that they have done since has been either producing or co-writing with Mike Judge on everything. <laughs> so you said before this episode they each only had one credit? Yeah, they worked together on the same episode of a show called The Highlight. Oh, I see. Yeah. But most recently, you may recognize their names from... Co-creating Silicon Valley with Mike Judge. I love that show. Yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> or for I a did. While. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of lost. I fell off of that show. I mean, I really liked it when Gabe from The Office was on that show. I don't know if he still is, but he was my favorite. Is he um, the tall, skinny one Jared? that the fridge made fun of? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Jared. <he's> Jared. <laughs> yeah, I, I left that show when Ehrlich did. <laughs> I left before. The season before. I, what was that, five? I think I stopped watching in, around season. Whatever happened at the end of season three, I was just like, oh, this show just isn't going to go anywhere, so I'm really over it. I wanted to see them be successful. Um, anyway, so they're the writers, and then we have for the director, we got the, another first time, King of the Hill director. Um, this is Lauren McMullen. This is her first credit of two only. She'd come from working on The Critic before this, uh, oh, the critic. The critic. You mean the critic? Yeah, yeah, yeah the <laughs> critic. Yeah. Um, and after that, she went after King of the Hill. She went to work on a show called Mission Hill, and then The Simpsons and Avatar: The Last Airbender. So yeah, she's been around for a while there. And yeah, a couple of first timers on this episode. It's kind of uh, kind of fun. Yeah, kind of cool. The um, her director intro was. Uh, I really liked it. It was like, so it was just like a map, like a road map of Texas. 
mm-hmm. it was like zooming in and panning across just this map. Yeah. And uh, it just had like a white T-shirt uh, outline over top of it with stencil writing on it. Mm-hmm. And the shirt said, I worked on the Mexico show and all I had time to draw was this stupid T-shirt. And <laughs> then it switched and said three days at the condo. Nice. I like that one. Yeah. They're getting more and more creative. It sounded like they were just kind of pretty simple at the beginning, and now it's, they're getting a little meta. It is funny because, like, I was looking at her credits, and it wasn't like she was even – she may have been, but her credits don't go back further than this. Like, most mm. of the other directors we see, they were, like, in the animation department and moved up, and mm. she seems to have just be like, fresh in here. Um, she only did two episodes, and then she was out. So I guess what maybe happened was, like, she showed up, and then they were like, oh, where's your director's intro? And she's like, I don't know. I had to do a director's intro. So she <laughs> literally only had time to draw a stupid shirt. Yeah, I guess that's probably right. No wonder she used stencils, too. Yeah. That may be the only director's intro I've actually seen, but it was pretty cool. Oh, the one here? I liked it. Yeah. yeah it watched it good. yesterday. Um, oh, are your DVDs working now? No, I was here with Dustin. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, we watched it while you weren't here, so... Fair enough. For those of you who may have missed that episode, <laughs> Miles' dog did a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that'll ass monkey ate three out of the four discs of my season two, so I have not been able to use them all. But... Did it, and which other ones? The other King of the Hill ones were fine, but he massacred oh. my Simpsons collection, oh. and <laughs> among others. They were tastiest. <laughs> we're coming up on your uh, available disc, though, aren't we? Coming up on disc four pretty soon. I think there's two more episodes. <laughs> I thought it was this one. I was like, sweet. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> but yeah, so the synopsis for this one is uh, the Hills accompany the Supanusa phones to Mexico. Lost in translation, the men end up stranded with no way back to America. Amen. Yeah, so this one does have a cold open. Yeah, finally. It's been a while, it feels like. Apparently, only if, not if you were to watch this on syndication, though. They removed this scene um, from... Syndication, I guess, probably because of... Was it too dark? I think it's a bit too dark, maybe, for Fox. I don't know. But, I mean, the intro's really fun. It's funny, yeah, but um, I can see why they would just, like, not want that on there. Yeah, it makes sense, because, I mean, the intro part, you get to see Khan dancing to his new CD jukebox. Oh, that was awesome. (laughs) Oh, isn't that dope? And if you look at the album, before it even starts, you have uh, Tony Basil's Word of Mouth. It also could have been her single album for Mickey. Uh, and, of course, we hear Khan singing the one note he knows of Mickey and dancing around crazily in his house. I noticed, too, there was only, like, four CDs in his CD jukebox. Like, <laughs> I think we he heard them think, all. I feel like the person who buys a CD jukebox already has a healthy collection of CDs. Like, maybe he's looking for a new hobby? Oh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> We find out later in the episode he's pretty strapped for cash after that CD jukebox, so maybe he <laughs> only had enough money for a couple of CDs. But that uh, that song, Mickey, was quite the hit. It uh, hit number one in the U.S. Hot, hot uh, 100 Billboard charts. It was actually certified platinum in the United States. It was uh, it was written by a prolific songwriting duo, Nicky Chin and Mike Chapman, who wrote a number of hits during the 70s and 80s for artists like Susie Quattro, Mud, The Sweet, New World, Arrows, Racy, Smokey, Tina Turner, and Huey Lewis and the News. Wait, Sweet or The Sweet? Uh, the Sweet. Is that different than Sweet? 
Uh, I don't think so. I don't know. All these bands have had weird names, so when I said them, they just sounded really, <laughs> really weird. Cause they're just I mean, like, Sweet is awesome. Yeah. What was that other one you said that I liked? Hugh Lewis and the News. No, that's fine. But there's another one in there I liked. Uh, Susie Quattro. Susie Quattro. Yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was off of her album, Word of Mouth. And that album, it uh, was basically felt like just a bunch of like either covers or music that she didn't write herself. Uh, three of the songs were Devo covers. She did. Uh, she titled it "You Got a Problem," but it's actually just Devo's "Pity You." Um, there was a track she did called "Space Girls," which is a re-recording of 1974 Devo demo titled "Space Girl Blues." And then "Be Stiff" was just a direct cover of Devo's "Be Stiff." Is she like friends with them, or just a fan? Or? She was in a relationship with Gerald Castle or Castle oh, okay. of. The, of Devo at the time. So I think he just kind of hooked her up with a career. Okay. I was wondering if it was like Quiet Riot and Slade. Like Quiet Riot, like you buy their greatest hits and the front of it says like <laughs> they play these such hits and they're all Slade songs. <laughs> it's like it's just Quiet Riot is literally just a Slade cover band. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and it's just because their producer thought that his voice matched Naughty's. From oh, okay. Slade. I don't know the singer for Quiet Riot's name, but they just thought that the, his voice sounded mm-hmm. similar enough, and they were like an like an unknown British band. Exactly. They just Good kept enough. taking their songs. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. She uh, also just another exciting thing that the club host might care about is on that album she covered "Little Red Book" by Burke Bacharach. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Except her music video and version is a lot crazier. It's like a nightmare zone of Burt. She's in like the jungle and it's all like screechy guitar and she's doing weird dances when like the real song that Bert does is just about like how he loves a girl and he goes through his whole red book uh, to take out every girl in town just to replace her and he's sad about it. But like the way she does the song is a lot different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know she actually put her own personal spin on the song Mickey too because originally when it was written, it was written for like a male singer and it was Oh Kitty. So Mm. she switched it to Oh Mickey, like singing about a man. Mm. I feel like it's impossible not to, even at that time probably, to associate Mickey with the mouse. Like, every time I've heard Mm -hmm. that song, I just thought it was a Disney song. That's what it feels like. It just does. It's like a sing-along, like, kids song. Kids love it. Like, Mm -hmm. it gets in your head, and you're always... Nobody really likes it, ever. It's just like... It, 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 It is, like, just... It's just really catchy. Yeah. It's... It is catchy. I know. I know. It it, it pains you uh, to hear about that song so much. But <laughs> well, I'm uh, fine talking about it. I just would rather not hear it if I ever had the option, well, especially not con singing it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just a fun fact, you might like to know: she did. A, she had an acting career, and one of the movies that she did was called um, Rockula with Thomas Dolby. Oh, really? Really, really. We'll, we'll get to that one. We'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> I know. I just thought you might be interested to know. I would have been. Um, yeah, so before we get right through the intro, they, it seems that they threw in a little bit of the Spanish guitar. Mm-hmm. Those three little chords that played in the beginning. Instead of the regular, what? yeah, we we used it in our intro here. But yeah, it's it was kind of a fun little addition. I noticed there was also no Wahoos. It caught me off guard because I didn't know this was going to be a Mexico episode, right? And then uh, when I heard it, my, it kind of didn't really make make sense to me. But then after... You watch the episode a bit, you're like, oh, okay, totally. Yeah, I like that, though. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they do that a couple times, like, uh, throughout the series. Like, I think the Christmas episodes, they're, they'll be, like, a bit more, like, jingle bells, like, along the... And the final episode of each season. 
Um, I don't know if we mentioned it. We I know we noticed it on the last one because the way it aired was different than the DVDs. So it wasn't the last one on the DVD that had a weird intro, right? right. It was, uh, I believe, Plastic White Female. Right. Wasn't it just more like upbeat and like electric. louder? No, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's the electric oh, okay. one. Okay. Yeah. So then we get to see uh, Hank and Peggy in the kitchen, and Peggy has men over, and Hank is reaching into the dishwasher to pull out his tools, because that's where you clean them. And Peggy is pouring men a cup of coffee, you know, talking about how uh, how great Connie's educational achievements are. And Min uh, tells Peggy about the vacation they're going to take to Mexico, to a nice little Todd condo. That's so funny. I thought Hank was fixing the dishwasher. <laughs> I didn't even realize. He I know. Was I didn't his even tools. hear the rest of what you said because I've been sitting here trying to think of if that is a good idea or not. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think if it was just your tools in the dishwasher, great idea. But if you got plates in there as well, like I don't know if you want to mix the two. And it but looked I, like Hank mixed the two. But I, oh, but I mean, does the like, does the grease or whatever you're washing off, assuming it's just like engine grease all over it and like it would that like mess up the rest of the dishwasher for the next three loads of dishes i assume that it would but i also assume that hank wouldn't put his let his tools get that dirty like i'm sure they're already kind of clean and he's yeah. just like polishing them because he's bored um at the shop um when i was at the school there for the mechanic shop they had the big like machine washer and holy like the one that you use to like clean an engine block Right. And oh, and yeah, they'd put like really dirty, like big big tools. You wouldn't put in like it fucking blasts the shit. <laughs> it was, it's pretty epic though. It looks awesome and it stuff gets super clean. Yeah, totally. And I bet Hank just lives by the rule of you know so clean you can eat off of it, and he takes that very seriously. So that's probably what's going on there. But as Peggy's hearing about men talk about Mexico, it uh, it reminds her of back in the day. Mexico. Oh, Hank and I used to go every time they devalued the peso. That got old pretty quick. <laughs> Miles, you went to Mexico recently, didn't you? Yeah, I did actually, um, like one year ago to the date. Oh, wow. I was in Mexico, and I was severely sunburned and either drunk or hungover. Do you remember that? Because did you make a Facebook post about it today? No, I just know it was May long weekend. <laughs> oh, I guess that makes I left, sense. or yeah, I think I left on the May long weekend. Did you stay in a Todd condo? Because that's where Min and uh, Con are staying. With Con's brother. With Con's brother. And, uh, of course, we uh, pan back to Con's living room, where he's uh, learning that his brother won't be joining them this year. Yeah, we see Con, and he's just getting off the phone, and he's screaming about how his damn brother just backed out last minute of the, of the condo. And now, since he just spent all his money in that CD jukebox, he doesn't have enough money to cover the other half of it. So they're thinking about who that they could bring with them. And he looks out the front yard and he sees Hank and he's with Ladybird. And Ladybird's taking a big dump on Con's lawn. <laughs> and we just see Con go, Howdy, neighbor. And the conversation, we don't see it because the next scene we see we're back at the Hills house and they're having a taco night discussing whether or not they should go on the trip. And they just keep, they just can't keep those taco crosses together. <laughs> they got shells. such tight grips. Yeah, it's a pretty tense dinner. Or yeah, it's a pretty tense dinner as they're discussing um, if they should go to Mexico with yeah. the con with the Subanusophones. Um And in a deleted scene around here, uh, Peggy asks Hank to recall the time his father took him out of the country when he was around Bobby's mm. age. So we got a really good flashback. It's an animatic, but I thought it was quite it was pretty good. 
so Cotton takes Hank up to Canada <laughs> to go hunting. Draft dodger hunting. <laughs> <laughs> so it's them in a log cabin diner, and they're waiting. They're at a like, they're in flannels, and <laughs> the waitress comes over and gives him his breakfast. And Cotton starts yelling about the bacon. Says like, I see the elk sausage and the deer meat and everything. He's like, and the ham, but there's no bacon. <laughs> and she's just like, with the worst Canadian accent, just like uh, she says. Oh, it's right there, eh? And it's like, <laughs> she's back bacon. Yeah. And so, and Cotton didn't like back bacon. <laughs> and he's like holding it up at Hank. And it actually went on for a long time. And her uh, cringy accent, everything she finished saying, she put A at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I actually watched this uh, one too yesterday. But um, I liked it. Um, it was fucking hilarious. And he's just like, he's like, Hank, what is that? Yeah. He's like, Oh, that's ham. <laughs> He's like, boys thinks it's ham. <laughs> boys wrong, eh? <laughs> it's just like a Minnesotan accent, basically. Yeah, it's not. It's not even really Canadian. Not at all. Um, then after that, in the still in that same deleted scene, Hank's like, and I tried that Canadian bacon not long ago. And it wasn't very good. <laughs> <laughs> I like back bacon. I mean, it is just ham. It well, I like ham. It's tough. It's like tougher ham. It is. It's like ham rind all the way through. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't really like ham, but I kind of like back bacon if it's fried up a little bit, but not not much. But uh, doesn't Mexico have something else that's pretty good? Kind of like our beef steak. <laughs> <laughs> beef steak. <laughs> beef steak. Yeah, yeah. beef steak. I- and then I guess in the actual dinner, they're all going around kind of giving their reasons as to why they'd be interested in a trip to Mexico. I love Mexico. They fast-track new makeup straight to the consumer. Here, the FDA tests and tests for years. It's like they don't care how we look. <laughs> oh, Luann, she's so adorable. And, yeah, Peggy wants her paper mache pair like she got when she was on... Uh, in school at Oaxaca. Yeah. <laughs> How do you say it? I don't even try. Uh, I looked it up. It's spelled O-A-X-A-C-A, and it's like a popular tourist destination, oh, and it looks like it? really nice. Um, yeah, it's spelled like Oaxaca. I think that's a disturbed song. <laughs> <laughs> but the pair, uh, did it was a deleted scene where she was like, because when she explained why she wanted to get it replaced, it was because Cotton Cotton shot it. Hey, t- to be fair, he thought it was an apple. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, Bobby, he also ends up crushing his taco, too, because Peggy really loudly exclaims that the last time they went to Mexico, Bobby was still on the breast. And he's yeah. just got the taco in his head. So, of course, Hank's weighing the pros and the cons. The cons mainly being con. And he finally decides that he should let the family go. Buenos dias, Mexico. And Peggy bursts out laughing because she thinks Hank says Buenos dios, Mexico. Which I'm not sure if he said Diaz or Diaz, but I'm pretty sure he just said good morning, Mexico. And she's an idiot. She is an idiot. <laughs> After she already got me Todd wrong, like her, like we know. <laughs> this is going to be a bad one for her uh, supposed second language. <laughs> yeah, Khan's like, what is, or, Con, or uh, Min's like, what does Mitad mean? Like, deluxe luxury, super luxury? And <laughs> Peggy's like, well, it doesn't translate uh, that good, but I think it means like 
just good enough yeah, or something. Middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, like average uh, vacant. Clean, well-maintained living. <laughs> but it like directly just means half. Like that's exactly what it means and only half. It's a simple translation. <laughs> so Hank's packing his bags into the car and uh, the boys are just kind of hounding him. And uh, Dale's being the most mouthy, asking him, you know, how much did it cost? And uh, it kind of just sounds like Dale wants to go with him. He's pretty sad he didn't get invited. Totally. Like, they're all kind of sad. But, I mean, I think maybe Boomhauer has a different opinion. I'll tell you what, man, about Mexico, man. You go down there, you're going to load up on them dang old chicklets, man. That's why you go down there to wheel and deal with them dang old guys talking about un camino, dos mujeres. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. I, like, wish I understood it. I did a little research. What did you got about it? Well, I just went straight for the translation. I didn't look up mm-hmm. any references. So when I first thought, what I first heard was Un Camino Dos Monrenes, um, which roughly translates to a road to brunettes or one way to brunettes. Um, but then you told me that in the subtitles there's no un, so it's just Camino Dos Monrenes, which translates to two-way brunettes so he says (laughs) which that's what i wanted to mean (laughs) in the subtitles he says camino dos mujeres which is not brunette it's women okay so it's i believe he's saying like way to way to women oh like the way to go to see women like where you go to see women I don't know, but I thought it was in reference to, like, the show, Un Camino Dos Mujeres. Or Dos Mujeres Un Camino. Mm. And it's two women, one way. Yeah, that's kind of roughly what I got. I kind of feel like maybe it's just like an old, maybe it's a saying. But there's a crazy, like, Mexican show. Apparently it was super popular in 93, 94. Um, it was one of the more popular Mexican uh, tell television dramas mm-hmm. soap operas it was a soap opera yeah yeah but uh it is campy and it's about a trucker who <laughs> that was the intro you showed us yeah we watched that. <laughs> yeah it's about a trucker who like he's got his wife in mexico and he off he goes back and forth over the border and like just delivers stuff like that with it's a set against nafta and uh they're like and yeah so he but he ends up meeting a woman in texas so he has like two women Oh. <laughs> I didn't know you speak Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> it was a it was a pretty uh dramatic looking show. I watched a chunk of it, but Oh, it looked fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. But I like uh you know, Mike judges Boomhauer and then Boomhauer doing like, you know, a Mexican impersonation and it was just like that's just Monsignor Martinez. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's exactly what it I, sounded like. And I wonder if like maybe Mike Judge did watch this show. Cause like yeah, I mean, Monsignor Martinez is based off something, so... And, like, in the intro of this one, there's, like, trucks blowing up, and, like, it's just, like, seems pretty random, but mostly dramatic. I didn't understand the action that was in it, but there was a little, like, a lot of action, but it didn't seem like it was an action show. No, it was just a really interesting intro with yeah. every bit of Mexico as much as they could jam in. And, yeah, I was wondering if... I, yeah, I, did, I guess the song is by, like... Is by a group called Bronco. That's I don't know. It, Featured in the intro in to the, the intro video. Also. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I was maybe wondering if like he was there was an episode where he had to go get chiclets. <laughs> I have no idea. Like why the chiclets? Like what's he talking about? No, who knows? I guess just how the little kids will come up to you and try and sell you chiclets. 
don't okay, they? Okay, is that what happens? That's what they try and do? So yeah, now we're on our way to Mexico. Uh, Peggy's driving for some reason, which is odd. She usually doesn't, but I guess it's her Buick, so Peggy's driving. I think it's nice that you're going away, Hank. You, you need a good vacation with your new best friend, Con, who you love so much. Yes, Bill, I love Con. Maybe if this trip works out, I'll marry him and live in Mexico forever. Is that what you want to hear? No. <laughs> so, there's actually the commentary for this one of the few uh, episodes this season with commentaries. It was another character commentary. Oh, nice. Who do we have? This one was um, Bill, so Stephen Root, and uh, Dale, Johnny Hardwick, and Toby Huss. And he was mostly his con. <laughs> Did he jump around between anybody else? Sometimes cotton comes out. <laughs> But I don't think it's always on purpose. <laughs> I like that he probably just goes with it if it does start to come. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think so far out of all of them, this was by far my favorite. If you're going to only ever watch one, maybe, maybe watch this one. Because it was pretty good. Was Bill crying during the commentary of this scene as well? <laughs> he was. Toby has just made fun of him a lot. And <laughs> it was good. <laughs> So yeah, after uh, Hank finally leaves his mopey friends behind, uh, they're on the way to, on the way to Mexico, and they're in Peggy's Buick. Peggy's driving, and Con's uh, behind them in his big old minivan, and he keeps trying to pass Peggy. And as soon as he gets up beside her, Peggy steps on it, and she floors ahead, making it impossible for Con to pass them. And uh, every time he gets up beside them, and they pull ahead. Con starts screaming about it. Min's like, "Oh, don't be silly! Like Peggy's not even uh, aware of you being beside her." But then we pan back to the the hills in their car and they're giggling and chuckling and laughing away at at con but when they finally get to the border uh there's a lineup of maybe six or seven cars and uh the the traffic flow starts to move ahead and there's a gap and con just snakes in front of like four cars and jumps in line i hate that oh yeah. hank just starts screaming at him from the passenger seat say hey, he can't do that he can't do that but he can and he did he did mm-hmm. and then he and then he takes it he ups the ante and points that uh, maybe this guy's smuggling drugs. <laughs> yeah, was it guns or drugs or it, contraband or something? Yeah, it was something. <laughs> I think he uh, Kong accused him to be a, a gun smuggler. Oh, it was guns. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Bobby asks uh, his dad a very valid question. Did the super nuisance phones come through the fence? No, Bobby. Con applied the legal way. Sometimes the system fails us. <laughs> See, that's Bobby. He's asking his dad why there's such a big fence and why there needs to be one. And Hank's like, well, there's a lot of people that come in illegally and they'll try and get through the fence. And then, yeah, Bobby has the super new phones. I guess he thinks they're Mexican or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I didn't think of that. I just like that, that Hank says this line and then it clearly, it did fail him in the end like, of the episode. Yeah, it did. Yeah, uh, Con starts hollering at, uh, he totally screws the Hill family over. He starts yelling, they have the contraband. And Hank's like, Con, tell him you're joking. Tell him you're joking. He goes, well, you got nothing to hide. And yeah. then he takes Let off. have a look. Yeah. <laughs> so they get pulled into the inspection line, and it takes, like, a hell of a lot longer for them to get to the condo. So, yeah, I mean, the soups do arrive, and then they understand the meaning of mitad as soon as they get there. Wait a minute. Where the rest of it? I paid for me Todd condo two floors. This condo plenty me Todd, but only one floor. What are you trying to pull? Old bait and switch? 
I think that does classify as a bait and switch for sure. That's highway robbery. Yeah. <laughs> like you're clearly trying to take advantage of people like Peggy Hill. <laughs> you're gonna read that and say like, "Ooh, Me Todd condo, two floors," but you get one floor because it's Me Todd. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you don't. It's your fault. You don't know what Me Todd means. <laughs> And the guy who pulled the old bait and switch was a pretty funny dude. He gives uh, he gives Khan the tour. Don't steal the towels. You take, I charge. This is a mini bar. You use, you pay. Now for the tour of the condo. Condo. <laughs> <laughs> who is that? Uh, so that is uh, his name's Jacinto. Uh, I guess he's the owner of the condo or whatever. That's the, the character's name. The resort. Yeah, that's the character's name. Now, he's voiced by Mexican-American stand-up comedian and actor Paul Rodriguez Sr. Uh, he got his start in the short-lived ABC sitcom, a.k.a. Pablo, uh, sometime in the 1980s. But Rodriguez went on to have many TV and movie roles in things like Born in East L.A., Crocodile... Oh, that's a good one. Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, Tortilla Soup, Rat Race, Ali... Bloodwork, the world's fastest Indian, and one episode of King of the Hill. Besides acting in stand-up comedy, Rodriguez is also part owner of the Hollywood comedy venue, The Laugh Factory, which became very infamous when Michael Richards went crazy and racist there. Uh, yes, he did. Kramer, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> and he also has a son, Paul Rodriguez Jr., a.k.a. P-Rod. He <laughs> is a, a professional skateboarder and X Games champion. Oh. Wait, Paul Rodriguez? Mm-hmm. P-Rod. I, I used to watch that dude skateboard all the time on the barracks. Very nice. Um, I like any Cheech and Chong movie. Bored in East L.A. is... I love singing that song a lot. <laughs> Where were you Cute, born? Born in East L.A. <laughs> I was born in East L.A. Man, I was born in East L.A. Oh, yeah, you're born in East L.A. Well, let's see your green card, huh? Now I kind of wish that, like, he had more lines in this. Because he had a lot, but they weren't really, like... He was playing a straight man, sort of. Mm-hmm. That's about the funniest it gets, I think, isn't it? No, yeah, totally. I think the next funniest thing is when he's yelling at Dale. Yeah. Which is probably his next and only line. But, anyways, the hills get through the border, and uh, they arrive at the condo, and, of course, uh, Khan's upstairs muttering about uh, Hank's this year's button to last year's swimsuit. And uh, he throws Hank the key to the condo, which Hank identifies as a car key. Uh, but Khan just tells him you got to jimmy it really good, like your life depends on it, and it'll get through. And Hank knows how to fix this immediately. He just needs a little bit of WD-40, so, of course, he asks Peggy... Where's our bathroom stuff? <laughs> you know, there's a saying. It's, uh, you only need two tools in any toolbox. Duct tape and WD-40. If something moves and it shouldn't, duct tape. If it doesn't move and it should, WD-40. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that so many times by just, like, the fucking most annoying people. <laughs> yeah. So does anybody, like, know much about uh, old WD-40? I know my dad's got plenty of it. Oh, you must. I know it's awesome, and I know what it stands for. You do know what it stands for. I do. That was the trivia question. You can go ahead and answer it. WD-40 stands for Water Displacement 40th Formula. Yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, so it's kind of crazy, because I was looking up, like, who invented it. There's two of them. So there's, so they're, like, argue, it's, it's up for debate, because the owner of the company's name was Larson. Norman Larson, 
but the person who likely actually created it, his name was Ivor Norman Lawson. <laughs> and so it was just like people just when like it went to press and everything, people assumed that it was the company's president at the time who invented it. It was originally invented by a company called Rocket Chemical Company, and they just renamed to WD-40 after WD-40 took off. But they never, um, they never patented it, so it was like. I read about that. They didn't patent it so that they didn't have to like disclose what their secret formula exactly. was for WD-40. It's a trade secret. They like they don't ever <laughs> want anybody to know, and it's also past the window of patent, so they can't patent it anyway if they wanted to. Mm -hmm. So if you can figure out what's in WD-40, you can just sell your own brand. You're rich. You're rich. <laughs> but yeah, it was the um, they put it on uh, the. I think it was the, the the fronts of rockets, like to go into space. Yeah, yeah, they got like inducted into like the aerospace like Hall of Fame recently or whatever for like what its original purpose was, exactly, was for helping yeah. the spacecrafts. And now it's just everything. <laughs> Did you like look at some of like the wacky uses like for WD forty? Because like their slogans, right? Like the the can with a thousand uses. Yeah, I saw the bus driver who got the deadly snake out from underneath his bus <laughs> with a can of WD forty. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was reading about it, and there's many people who attest to this, including my late grandfather. Told me that he used to do this. This is back when he was still playing uh, uh, basketball, and he would use it on like sore joints and muscles. What? Yes, and it's like it's, Tiger Bomb. Yes, exactly. They would use it like like Tiger Bomb, and people swear by it. Like uh, people online that have like arthritis say like, you know, I put it on my knee, and my knee's good for like two days, sort of thing. And then WD forty actually had to release a statement was like, we have like petrol chemicals in here that they can damage your skin yeah. and like your internal organs. Like, yeah, it suggests you wear that. a certain kind of rubber glove like yeah <laughs> yeah and i remember my grandpa saying that to me he goes well it's like a penetrating agent right he's like it'll get down there and loosen things up and i just remember being like okay like i don't know if you're joking or like fucking with me if you're <laughs> serious but i'll just like agree with it and then when i was looking up wd-40 and i was oh yeah he fucking said that and then i googled it and there's all these people on like blogs and health shit like saying that they do it well even on wd-40's website www.wd40.com they uh there's a section called cool stuff and they like encourage everybody just has all these pictures of them doing like sharing their own uses of WD-40 for like everything <laughs> like there's just yeah hundreds and hundreds of them oh it's such good stuff when i moved into my house and the keys in my like front door locks were so sticky and they jammed up all the time that like i literally cut my palm open one time like trying to stuff the key into it and i was going to buy a new lock and keys and i just sprayed some WD-40 in there and it's been yeah, totally fine ever since. And that was like three years ago. Damn, I had no idea WD-40 was originally used for rockets. That is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Blows my mind. And Imagine like inventing it and then just like your boss getting the credit just because of a typo. Just like, that sucks. Sure, if it wasn't because of the typo, because he took it. But I also wonder because like he couldn't even patent it. So I don't know. I, yeah, it's a crazy story. And uh, it's funny, like, when the Hills arrive and Khan is, like, just gets the door open and he's just, like, Hank's like, oh, no, you're not getting the top floor after what you did to me. And Khan's like, oh, no, no, yeah, you can have the top luxury penthouse with a view. I'll take small basement condo. <laughs> and he just buggers off. But now the, we're... That was, like, really causing me a lot of anxiety when I watched this. It was like, well, I was like, 
just what? Like it got is such an ass. It was like, yeah, like that's ruthless, man. It's like, like suicide pass, handing him that key. It is. But um, the next scene we see, it's the next day, and the women, uh, mostly Peggy, is organizing that they're gonna go to the market because she needs to find a new paper mache pair, and. Connie and Bobby are like, man, we got to sneak off. We got to go do something. And Bobby's like, hey, can we um, go play some beach volleyball? <laughs> and of course, they don't go play beach volleyball. Like, they've never done that ever. And then P- Peggy's an idiot to even believe it. Uh, so, of course, Peggy and Luann are wandering through the marketplace together. And Peggy knows that none of these places, they're, they're too tacky to carry paper mache pears. Um, so they so they leave and they walk by a pharmacia, and then Luann sees uh, Leleca del Sol, maybe Lelesh del Sol, uh, which means the milk of the sun, and uh, it's an illegal beauty secret for the stars. So of course she has to disguise herself before she goes in. She puts on her handkerchief and sunglasses and walks in to buy some, and then we cut to Bobby and Connie who take a little walk into Le, Le Curious. Firecrackers. Um, and I believe there's a deleted scene here, Denim. Yeah, there is. So just before they get in there, we see the tail end of one angry customer who's explaining that half of his firecrackers were duds. And the guy's like, well, sorry, you can't really blame us. Our quality control is really bad. These come in from South Carolina. <laughs> Burn, South Carolina. <laughs> I kind of wish they would have kept that in, but unfortunately they don't. I, I don't know why. Yeah. I, there was a lot of good deleted scenes that I wish they kept in this episode. I guess they would have told us that, like, they would have really, like, made us think that that La Bomba was a dud. I mean, I don't know if I just can tell the future, but I kind of had an idea it'd be a dud because I don't think they, like, because they're kind of, they, they stray away from the fantastical. So it would make more sense to not have a huge explosion in the middle of Mexico and just have a dud. Yeah, because that is, like, borderline terrorism, the size of that. Yeah, that thing is huge. The bomba. Yeah. Yeah, it was massive. It was, like, the size of, like, a rolled-up sleeping bag. Like, Bobby had to, like, walk differently while he was carrying it. (laughs) He had it in a brown paper bag, and it was ripping the bag and sticking out. (laughs) Um, I like the deleted scene here far more than the one that's actually, they actually used. And I kind of feel like this scene, I, it was only ever an animatic actually, but, um, I know that they took out that first bit because of first syndication. I feel like if they did that, they maybe should have thought about like just throwing this also in if you had the time, but because what we see is Hank's, he has his mini, so this is the par- the first part is in the episode. Mm-hmm. And it's him with his mini WD-40 <laughs> on his hip because he can't get the big one's lid open. Which is a fucking uh, like valid problem. And so he <laughs> takes the little one out and then uses it to loosen up the lid of the big one. It's classic. Pop, pops right off. <laughs> it's asinine. It's, it's fucking great. <laughs> it's great. But anyway, after he gets this going, after he... Jimmy's the lock, and it works, and now he's satisfied with his job. He hears off in the distance the sweet, sweet sound of a lawnmower cutting some fresh grass. And he has a wander over to the, to the man who's mowing the lawn. He's coming down the hill, and Hank goes on over to him, and he's just like, can I uh, compliment you on your form and your steady hand on the, 
mowing the lawn, and then he offers him suggestions about how maybe he would try going around the hill rather than over the hill. But then this uh, lawn mowing man, the lawnmower man, he's yeah. like, he's, he starts dropping some knowledge about the grass and the sun and the wind and just like wins Hank's heart over. And <laughs> immediately. Immediately. Just like really excited to have this new friend. And then Khan comes running over with his headphones on, yelling about how the lawnmower's too loud. Yeah. <laughs> scares the man away. And Hank's like... Damn it, Khan, I was learning about Mexican culture, finally. <laughs> yeah, Khan yeah, ruins it. Ruins his only chance. <laughs> no, I like that it was funny, because, like, I watched that one, too, and then, like, when Hank approaches that guy, you assume he's going to be, me like, not speak English or, like, just be, like, a Buckley kind of type, like, I hate my job, this is just what I do, but he just, like, turns around and just, like, drops all that knowledge right on Hank. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, respect. <laughs> yeah, it was. Hank was just, like, just silently impressed. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And uh, I believe we pan back, and uh, Peggy's still searching for for, uh, for a new paper mache pair. And uh, while that's going on, after uh, Hank's brief interaction with the lawnmower man, he decides to go to a bar to get a beer. And, and he's in there, and he orders a cerveza, and it comes, and it's got a lime in it. And he's just like, Ooh, and he throws it out of the way. And then from across the bar, he hears Khan start screaming about how it's not a fruit salad. <laughs> <laughs> And I looked up why they actually put limes in beers. Did you know why? Oh, well, I... There's yeah. a few reasons. Uh, well, that is the reason I put in, because it's delicious. But there were some actual practical reasons that, like, uh, people came up with why people put limes in beers. Is it lime or just any citrus? Li well, mostly just lime is what I looked up. Uh, but there's three that I wrote down that are the most interesting. Uh, number one, it kept flies out of the beer. So if you put a lime on a beer, apparently it keeps the flies away. That's weird. I know, it's kind of counterintuitive. You think so. think, Yeah. But also, it disinfects the top of the beer bottle, so you know that, because, like, the citrus is very acidic, so it's going to disinfect the top of the bottle. And then also, uh, in Coronas, like, the clear bottle, I guess, gives the beer a skunky taste, kind of, people say. So if you put the lime on, it uh, prevents that. Skunky taste. That's exactly the term that uh, they used, and they would not use a different term. No? Like, they, I couldn't find a different term anywhere. I don't know skunky. What, I don't know what that means. I'm guessing it tastes bad. Is it like an actual skunk taste? I'd imagine so, but I've never smelled one I've of them. I've never smelled a skunk either. I could definitely picture it because, like, I love a good Mexican beer, but, like, without a lime, it's, it kind of loses its touch. I like the, I like the Modelo's. Mm. Oh, Modelo, yeah, that's Those good stuff. <laughs> so, as the guys throw away their limes, of course, Hank's Peace and Quiet is interrupted again by a mariachi band. Oh, and he says that Khan's got mucho dinero. Yeah, well, like he's like, Khan, what are you doing here? You couldn't find your own bar. And he goes, oh, I had the same coupon book as you. Yeah. <laughs> and like, there's no sports on at the bar. They're watching Monsignor Martinez. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll go on a vacation to a different country to watch a soap opera in a bar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Hank tells the mariachi band, because they start approaching him playing their music. And Hank's like, no, 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 uh, that guy is loaded. Uh, mucho dinero. And they go over to Khan. And Khan's like, no, no, you, you sing for me? I sing for you. <laughs> he starts screaming at them. She blinded me with science. Do, do, do. She blinded me with science. Pretty good job, Khan. I've never heard that song with only one note before. Yeah, it's all about rhythm. So now we're back to Thomas Dolby again. Yeah, she blinded me with science. Blinded me. Thomas Dolby... That was the song Blinding Me With Science. It was on his album 
the golden age of wireless from 1982. The album itself reached number 65 on the UK charts and number 13 in the United States. I uh, couldn't find any numbers for the album in Canada. Um, however, the single, She Blinded Me With Science, made it to number one in only one country, and that was Canada. Nice. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I didn't, I forget the other ones, but yeah, the uh, other albums that he has, I really liked the, I, li- I like Thomas Dolby quite a bit. Um, yeah, I know that. I have at least three of his albums I like. Uh, my favorite one is Aliens Ate My Buick from 1988. <laughs> uh, but he is a really interesting guy. Um, he's a really smart um, and so he's, he also, in what he did in, like, late 90s, he invented, <coughs> now it was hard for me to actually understand what this was, because I'm not super technical, but it sounded like it was, like, a browser-based synthesizer. <coughs> that used such basic sounds that very simple things could emulate it, and, and you could use it on just about anything, and this was at the, the start of um, phones, like cell phones. Um, so the tiny little Nokia ones, you know, like the... Uh... <laughs> yes, exactly, that one, <laughs> that phone. So Thomas Dolby invented that synthesizer, and because... It... Yeah, can you answer that, please? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so it because this this synthesizer it made it possible to include ringtones on cell phones so like before they were just like sound engineers were just trying to find the most annoying sound yeah and have it make the like beep 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 like that's the ringtone right because it was just so simple they just wanted the most annoying simplest noise it could make but because of this new synthesizer they could actually include tones and make little tunes yeah um, and so they called in Thomas Dolby to just say, like, come and do this for us. Yeah. So, I mean, he might even be the reason why we have ringtones <laughs> in our phones. That's to pretty decent, though. And, yeah, he wrote a whole bunch of them. Um, and, like, yeah, and performed them and programmed them in there, all those. Yeah. He's just. That's awesome. Yeah, he just does stuff like that. And I guess now he's uh, currently working as a professor teaching music for new media as a four-year undergrad degree program at a, uh, a place at the John Hopkins. I don't understand. It was like uh, the Peabody section of like a John Hopkins. I don't understand it. I don't know school. Um, <laughs> two I, things. Yeah. I kind of wish he taught science. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the other thing is like at schools, like, yeah, let's say you go to like X school. But they also have, like, schools within that school. So they have, like, the Y School of Business and the Z School of Science okay. within the, the major university. So that's probably what it is. So, yeah, I think it's in Baltimore there, the John Hopkins University, basically, then. Yeah, yeah, I know about that big lacrosse school. Oh, is they, it? They love their lacrosse in Maryland. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the, I, would, uh, I, th- I would like to know what a class with Thomas Dolby's like. It's probably fun. I've heard him in a lot of interviews. I love. I just love listening to him chat about stuff. He's just got such a different outlook on life. I like him. I feel like his class would end and you'd still sit there until the next class, yeah. even if you're not in it. Pretty much. Yeah, I'm imagining it's so easy to distract him with something and then just <laughs> get him to talk about yeah. that for like two yeah. hours. Mr. Dolby, how do you feel about Nokia? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But uh, while their dads are at this bar, Bobby and Connie are still searching for somewhere for La Bamba to be detonated. And I thought it was really funny because Bobby's like, this is our chance to really, uh, really make a statement. So I, I don't know what he meant by that, but uh, I can't remember what Connie suggests originally. I think a garbage can. And Bobby's like, if this was a cherry bomb, I'd say yes, but this is La Bamba. <laughs> so they find an Italian restaurant in the little uh, village that they're in. And there's like a big, fat, like stereotypical uh, Italian chef. Mario looking motherfucker. Yeah, like huge mustache, the big white chef's hat. And he's got like, I think he's like stirring a pot of spaghetti or something. Yes. <laughs> so they dump La Bamba right in front of it and they run and they hide and... Right in the pot of spaghetti. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right in it. In yeah. the National Monument. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they dive behind a dumpster and then you can see that the name of the place is uh, Que Pasta. Uh, Coquina Italiana, or Cocina, not sure. Probably Cocina, it sounds better. And what does it mean? I don't know. Oh. Que pasta is, I think it's like, instead of que pasa, it's que pasta, like, uh, play mm. on words there. And then, uh. Where's Peggy when you need her to translate? Like, yeah, right? It's stupido. After we don't, after Bobby and Connie call it quits on La Bamba, <laughs> just. La dud. La dud. I think it's a dud. Yeah. Let's give him 15 more minutes. <laughs> Man, to have that kind of time to kill. <laughs> I love when Bobby says that and Connie says, yo, can't she just puts her fingers back in her ear? Yeah. So she's just going to sit there for 15 more minutes and it seems like it's already been probably half an hour. <laughs> um, I love it, though. Peggy, she's getting roped. They're going to always rope you into buying the tacky stuff. You can't get the classy paper mache pears without buying a tacky frog. That's that's how they get you. What's the deal with the frogs in Mexico, too? I know about them, but I don't know why. Oh, the senor? Is that it? Is it just the senor frogs? Fuck, I have no idea. It's or just is a there thing. like is there like frogs? Is frogs a thing in Mexico? Fuck, man. Like I know the senor frogs is like you know the bar chain that everybody goes yeah. to, but there also is like just a common theme for tourists to buy these little paper mache frogs and like fruits and vegetables yeah. and stuff like that. And the that. statues and the, yeah. I don't yeah I don't have no like at all why thing but they just i don't know is it. there a lot of frogs in mexico like does mexico have frogs probably more than us mm, you yeah, have probably. a lot of frogs mm -hmm. <laughs> but peggy finally finds what she's looking for she finds that pear but it's attached We've got a little frog beside it and peggy's like oh it's perfect and she just like zip, rips it off of the little uh like placard that it's on and we don't know if the uh, shopkeep here is impressed with her love of pears or just really understands that this is just a stupid woman that he may get into being a mule for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure, but it's funny that she rips off the pear and then she's like, I'm not going to haggle. I know I have to pay for both. Yeah. <laughs> and a uh, little fun fact, the name of the stall that she is shopping at is called... La Dia de los Muertos, which means the Day of the Dead. And for those of you listening, the next Day of the Dead will be Saturday, November 2nd. So that's a fun fact. That is neat. Super neat. Well, I believe this actually was a, um, the, like the Dance of the Dead, too. This was uh, all in our conversation we had about Halloween. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's like, because he touches on that, too, right? Because he's trying to sell Peggy those masks. And I know that they wear the masks on, like, uh, mm -hmm. on the Day of the Dead, but Peggy's not... Not interested. She doesn't want that tacky shit. No, she doesn't want that tacky shit. But the vendor has a question for her. He says he has a friend just across the border and he doesn't trust the mail. And uh, asked Peggy if she wouldn't mind delivering a package for him. And Peggy's a dumb, 
naive fucking idiot and decides to uh, stupid American <laughs> yeah decides to uh, that she yeah she'll take this package across the border for this stranger she's known for 15 seconds <laughs> I love that Min doesn't say anything yeah <laughs> I'll tell you what's in there a cocaine black top PCP you name it I see 2020 special all about this you're a mule Peggy Hill <laughs> <laughs> I love that like yeah Min lets her take it yeah, yeah. oh yeah she's she, this will be like, funny later uh, now you're in trouble <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Min and Con are so similar yeah. <laughs> um, for those of you who don't know what black tar is because I didn't know what it was oh, really? before Connie said that it is a low quality form of heroin <laughs> yes I think I know that because of Cards Against Humanity, honestly. I've seen Law and Order. I know the lingo. <laughs> <laughs> so we get Hank is still Jimmy in the door, and Dale is just like, Hank? Hank Hill? Is that you? Dale? What are you doing here? I was just out for a drive. Thought this place might have clean facilities. Talk about a coincidence. It's a nine-hour drive, Dale. Is it? I guess I better stay then. <laughs> Fucking freeloader. So is so is Hank though. Yeah, but about Dale's got like a snorkel and flippers and like his pre-packed like briefcase just like hiding behind the shrub he's standing beside. <laughs> so it looks like Mr. Gribble's gonna be staying with the hills for the rest of the weekend. Uh, so we pan back to Bobby and Connie for a quick second, and they are still waiting for La Bamba to pop. And uh, I believe this is when the trash can gets picked up by the compactor, <laughs> and they uh, they still wait. But uh, then we flash back to the condo, and then there's Mr. Gribble at the pool without his shirt on next to all the other children. And he sticks out like a sore thumb. So the, the landlord walks by and... Uh, hey, you, you skinny gringo. I don't know you. Are you a guest? I'm staying with the hills in 5B. 5B? Upstairs? Damn turistas, you try to rip me off? It'll be the last time you... Somebody missed his siesta. <laughs> <laughs> that has to be... My favorite scene from this episode is so funny. Dale's standing in line and like they're not even like kids, kids, they're like toddlers. They're like four they're like four or five years old and the slide he's waiting to go on. He's just smoking. Like, yeah, he's like got his like beer gut sticking out and he's just like just like completely oblivious how ridiculous it is that he's waiting to go on those stupid little slides. It isn't fun to anybody unless you're a very young child. Yeah, Dale doesn't get it, because he also just thinks that it's Hank's unit. Like and, like, I'm assuming that Hank already paid Con for this, hey? Oh, yeah. I would assume so, yeah. That fucking little snake. <laughs> Can't get over it. The next scene we see, it's Bobby just comes barging into the condo there, and he goes, uh, now I know why they call it beach volleyball. <laughs> beach volleyball is really fun. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right away, Peggy's like, Bobby, do you think I'm stupid? Do you think I'm naive? And he's like, I'm sorry. But, like, Bobby thinks she's talking about him trying to blow up that monument with the firework, and then he actually lied to her all day saying that he was playing volleyball when he was actually running around the streets causing trouble with Connie. But Peggy's actually referring to how upset she feels that Min pointed out that that package she's got is probably full of drugs. She's now a mule. <laughs> and, of course, Bobby thought he was caught, but uh, it turns out he wasn't. 
And so he's quite relieved. So we pan over to Luann, and she's uh, kind of talking about what's got her stressed out. Hmm. They had to kill ten turtles to fill one little jar. Nate! <laughs> Maybe she's not that stressed uh, out. It's <laughs> kind of cool. Sounds pretty interested. When it's right at this scene, they look out the window and there's the police officers talking to Jacinto and they're just kind of mumbling in Spanish and he keeps pointing up to 5B in the window there. And everyone in the condo, except for Hank, thinks that they're there for something that they did. Bobby thinks it's the firecracker. Luann thinks it's the illegal makeup and Peggy assumes that it's her with the the box of contraband or whatever it is this guy is trying to get her to mule for. Really, it's Hank, the most oblivious <laughs> one. But, yeah. So it's uh, just the chaos ensues. Everybody's like, Luann's like, you got to put on as much makeup as you can. So she's got Bobby putting lipstick on and he's crying because it tastes like turtles. <laughs> <laughs> and Peggy's trying to flush the package, which we then learn is also just a paper mache pear. Yeah. <laughs> and Dale jumps out the window. <laughs> for no reason. For no reason. <laughs> I, I, I did think it was funny because like, there is like a bit of that where it's like something's like kind of foreign to you and you're like, hey, I can get this. Like when you go to Mexico and we're just like, oh, we can find a switchblade in Mexico because I know I can't buy them in Canada. But it's like, why do I want one? I don't want one. I just wanted to go see one in the store because it's yeah. different. Right? It's different, and then, exactly. But then you're like every little thing. I can see how like people who are so straight laced like the Hills are just like think they're breaking laws that don't exist. exist. Yeah. <laughs> like, Fuck. Uh, so right away, they get taken to the courthouse. Yeah. It's just Con, Hank, and Dale, though. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we see them in the courthouse, and... Uh, you will pay the condo manager 8,000 pesos. But if the key fit, you must acquit. 10,000 pesos. <laughs> Bailiff, confiscate their identification. So I assume what he means is that the uh, the car key fits the lock, so you gotta quit us. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's no longer breaking and entering that. Yeah, exactly. Which is a reference to uh, O.J. Simpson with the gloves. If they don't fit, you must quit. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I looked up the uh, the uh, what do you call it? conversion, or I looked up the conversion rates and uh, also looked up what they would be back in 1998. So eight thousand. Uh, Pesos in 1998 is like 25,000 pesos now, and 10,000 is 31,000 now. If you were to transfer that into US dollars today, that means they would owe either 1300 to $1,600. How many loonies is that? 1300 to 1600 loonies. Okay, that's fine. Plus some, I guess. More than it sounded, I it thought it was more. more. I was thinking it was a larger amount. I know, I thought so too. And then I was like, okay, like, like you I, could probably buy three CD jukeboxes for that money. For that yeah. money, mm-hmm. but that's today's dollars, right? I guess I don't know what a CD jukebox goes for. I'm hoping less than 500 bucks. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they went the, the way of the dodo uh, not that long ago. <laughs> But, Denim, I believe you mentioned that there was a deleted scene. Uh, oh, yes. Point. I love this one. So I guess the um, the judge is trying to explain to them what they did wrong because they don't clearly understand what is so wrong with what they did. And he's just like, look, if you were in Dallas, would you just walk into a Sheraton and just take a room up like you owned it? And then Khan finds this absurd because, of course not. He has a sister in Dallas. Why would he stay at the Sheraton? <laughs> <laughs> so you just think that's Khan playing dumb to make it seem like 
to Dale and Hank that he has no clue about what's going on because still at this point we don't know that he's or Hank and Dale don't know that he's actually was always aware that they weren't supposed to stay upstairs or do you think he's actually just like no why would I I think it's a level of arrogance that's just like like none of this matters I can just pawn all this off on these stupid rednecks like (laughs) I don't have to pay for this like he's just like I think he's I think it's arrogance mostly Mm -hmm. Um, but I did find it interesting that his we get a mention now of his sister and brother so, we're told he now has at least two siblings. I don't know if that I don't know if that has been mentioned before. I'd like to hope I'd that like, we meet them later. I'd like to see a maybe Super Nusifon reunion at some point. Oh man! So they leave the courthouse, and I kind of like the pacing throughout this because it it happens quite quickly and it gets to the point. And they're at the fountain now, and uh, they're kind of come up with ideas of why or how to get home. And uh, Hank wants to split up uh, with Khan and just go with Dale. And Khan kind of begs Hank to, you know, help me out, please. Um, and and Hank, you know, is a good man, so he agrees to help this guy get out of the country. But then Dale suggests that they just drive. And, of course, that sounds like no problem, except for Khan would definitely get pulled, uh, pulled out of the car, so they must stuff, stuff him into the trunk. I didn't understand that. Which part? Why he had to go in the trunk. Because if they went through the border without IDs and they're just two Anglos, no problem. Oh, is that... As soon as they bring a Laotian in, they're going to get stripped and searched. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they, um, they bid their farewells to the women and children. They're all heading home and the guys are just kind of still like kind of glazing over what's going on. And they're like, we just got to take care of a little something and then we'll... You know, we'll meet up with you guys later. And they head to the border and Khan jumps into the trunk and which is amazing. I didn't think he would ever agree to it, but he's I guess he's pretty scared at this point. And they get to the border and they're just standing in line. And Dale, as usual, is just pretending he's so savvy and he knows what to do. And he's like, just follow my lead and be cool. (laughs) Yeah, because Hank's wondering what will happen to them if they get caught. And that's when Dale gives his description of their punishment. What if they find Khan? If I know my Mexican legal system, which I do, we'll get about 15 years with a starvation diet of moldy bread and warm water. Distilled water? (laughs) No. And, of course, there is a total lack of toilet paper and privacy. Oh, God, I can't go while people watch. (laughs) I love when Dale's, like, talking about, like, just those dumb things that he only knows about that he, like, asks himself the question, like... Do I know the Mexican legal system? Which I do. Yeah, <laughs> furthermore. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can't just be like, I'm very familiar with the Mexican yeah. legal system. It's not like I heard this one time. It's like I heard this one time and now I'm an expert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're talking to the, the border guard and he's super friendly and he's like, where are you headed? And Dale's voice cracks and he's like, Arlen. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, oh, nice town. You know, I've been to Arlen actually, uh, blah, blah, blah. And Dale just this is like, uh, uh. <laughs> Run! Uh! Uh, 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 uh. The scene was hilarious, and when I was watching it for the for the final time, just before we sat down to edit this, I or sorry, record this, I noticed something which I hadn't. 
uh, seen before because I was thinking and wondering the whole episode, what was the car Dale was driving? It didn't make sense. It wasn't the Bugabago. We've never seen Nancy have a car in the series so far. And I was like, what could it be? Is it a rental car? I don't know what. And I just, I just was just going to leave it at that. Like maybe it's something they didn't want to explain how he got down there. But as Khan is hopping out of the trunk, I paused on it. And the license plate reads W-T-H-R-G-R-L. I saw that. Which means weather girl. So oh. it's it's uh, it's Nancy's vanity plate. So he stole Nancy's car. I thought it said what a girl. And I was like, <laughs> I don't get it. And uh, I'm pretty sure there's a deleted scene where uh, Dale or where Khan is asking about losing air in the trunk. And Dale says, oh, I drilled holes in it just in case I ever got locked in my own trunk. So he drilled holes into Nancy's car in case he ever got locked in there. Um, and yeah, I just assumed that they kept that scene out because if they had that one in, then they would have to explain why, you know, he had her car or whatsoever. So, Did you uh, find out what kind of car it was? No, I couldn't. Um, like a caddy or something, eh? Hey? Yeah, like a club car. Is that what those called? Like a smaller, I don't know. Because sure. it had that super rectangular square, like, back rear window. I just remember having, like, a long hood and it was wide. Yeah, or maybe it's, like, an old Lincoln town car, maybe. Something like that. I mean... Nancy ain't driving nothing but the best. Yeah. You know, she's got her own weather girl vanity plate. <laughs> um, yeah, I like the um, <clears throat> I like the border guard though. He kind of like I I cross the border quite a few quite a lot. Um, and uh, it's always dickheads. They're always the worst. Um, go like going there and coming home. But uh, one time I had basically this guy, and like <laughs> it was awesome. We were coming back from a baseball game and uh, the Mariners game. And, like, I was in my Mariners jersey. Had, we handed him our passports. He's just like, oh, you're the game. Where are you sitting? How was the game? What was the score? Like, oh, yeah, how are they playing? And then he was asking me, he's like, are you going back down for the Blue Jays next week? And I was like, no. No, I'm not. Those ones are too expensive. And he was like, yeah, me and, like, 14 other border guards, we all rented a big bus, and we're going to go down. And, like, I was like, that's awesome, dude. And he was just like, yeah, I'm a good one. Like, ask me no questions about actually crossing. He just wanted to chat baseball. That's all I've wanted every time I cross the border. Yeah. And it's always just some dickhead. If you, like, stutter or mumble for a second, yeah. they're just calling you out and just 10 more questions. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. So after – but after – Dale yells run, and the guys just boogie on down. They end up in an alley catching their breath. <laughs> in the episode, they like they try and regroup here. Um, but it I don't know what the, what is Dale describes more about the Mexican prison, which they're almost definitely going to have to go to. We're American. We gotta find a payphone and hope Ross Perot's eight hundred number is still working. Did anybody get that Ross Perot bit? I didn't, and I was trying to remember because I knew he was relevant to the series, and I remember it's from the behind-the-scenes making of King of the Hill, where Toby Huss is like, he's kind of like Ross Perot, but he's loud and angry, and he screams all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, he was a, he was like, I'm pretty sure he was the, like, an independent presidential candidate, I think, in, like, 96. Um, you said he was independent, no, right, and he ran sorry, against Clinton? Sorry, it was 92, Clinton? it was 92. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand the, I don't know what his thing is, what his 800 number is about. I mean, my guess it's part of his platform to secure Americans outside the border and, you know, we have a safe way home or some, something like that. Yeah, I assume that too, just like 
wherever you are, I'll get you back to the motherland. Yeah, Call Ross Perot and vote for me. He is yeah. Texan. Okay. Too. He's from Te- he's from Texarkana. And he's but he's just like before he was ever in politics, he was uh, like a he's a business magnate. Isn't that where the beer is? Texarkana. Yeah. It is in uh, Smoking the Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Dale has this great idea that they need to cross the border illegally. Illegally? No. America is my country and I love her. I wouldn't enter her in any way that's unnatural. I kind of like wondered like why we never saw him like buckle to this. Um, Like change his mind on this. You know what I mean? Like he said the statement, but then like nothing really happened to make him say like, well, I can justify this. Was it, uh, it might have been what they had with the deleted scene. Because that's what I was saying. This alley's full of deleted scenes where they all talk different things. And some of them were animated, some of them were animatics. So it was just like, I kind of feel like this scene was a hard one for them to really nail down. But it, it kind of goes with a right. lot. I feel like it was with a lot in this episode. Because even just the presence of Dale is incredibly forced. I let it, I like, I, I let it slide because I want it to be there. Yeah. But like... It it is it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it was a little bit foreshadowed at the beginning, where he's just like, "How much it cost you? Where are you going?" He wants to go. He wants to go, but and I think that's about the most that they put in. Yeah, I just feel like it's a little. I don't know. It's fine, I guess. But. Yeah, and it's like it's not the first time we've seen like Hank kind of lose all reasoning in the series and just agree with whatever Dale's saying, and that like that yeah, culture of true. fear that Dale instills in him, and like just leads to pandemonium and panic and chaos from Hank. That is really true, yeah. There's, like, a lot of... Dale does a lot of fear-mongering. Yeah, and for some reason, they just forget he's just such a dumbass. He's such <laughs> they, a psycho. They just listen to him. Um, but, but, yeah, then they, they run off, and we see them with some heshers at the... Uh, some, the <laughs> some frat boys. Some uni-lods. <laughs> Do we got the clip? Uh, excuse me, uh, what did it cost you to rent those mopeds? Uh... Actually, we own these, but we are looking to sell them. Just such douchebags. <laughs> so they end up buying the mopeds for Khan's uh, wristwatch he got from his grandpa and Dale's only pair of buttonfly jeans, which is hilarious because now, and it looks like they kind of took his socks too, like you just said, like boots. And he's just in his like tidy whities and like his little button up shirt he's got. And we find out that the real owners of the mopeds actually come out of the restaurant or bar or whatever they're at and they go, hey, what happened to our mopeds? So these frat boys were just totally this, this, punking this them. Old, this old couple's mopeds. And of all the things to take, like Dale's pants. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I, I thought of that was that's like just exactly like Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the Galaxy, taking the guy's eye. Or taking the guy's like leg or whatever it was, and he's just like I thought it was funny. Like I just thought it was funny that guy only has one leg now. <laughs> exactly, because you're right. They probably got the watch. They're like, oh sweet, this is a value. Yeah, and we want his pants. We too. want his pants because it's gonna be funny seeing that guy. Yeah, ride ride on the back of your moped with no pants on. Exactly. Uh, so then, uh, then we see the boys riding away in the sunset on their mopeds. Dale in the back and Hank and Con riding the red one in the front. And of course, I haven't seen the movie Three Days of the Condor, but I have a kind of a sneaking suspicion that this may have been an homage visually. This, this scene of them riding together. And- I haven't seen the movie. I don't know what it is, but it looks like it's an homage to something. And I would maybe it is. I don't know. No, Somebody yeah, make, let it, me know. It makes sense. Uh, have you seen that movie? 
No, I haven't, but I agree with you. Like, it reminded me of, like, some maybe, like, classic Western scene, you know, like, the horses going across the horizon, but it's I think it's, it's a horror movie. It's got Robert Redford in it. It's directed by uh, Sidney Pollack. We'll have to we'll have to put that one in the in the list. It's from 1975. Nice, an oldie but a goodie, I bet. So obviously, Dale distracts Hank uh, by riding with no hands, and yeah, well, he's doing tricks. <laughs> he's doing tricks, and then so Hank looks back for like a split second, and they crash. I like Hank suggests that. For his next trick, he should kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like I that. For your next trick, I kick your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's sweet. Get on the back, Condale. You're Lucky Pierre. Oh, man. So now I looked into Lucky Pierre. Uh, do you want the clean version or the dirty version? Dirty. dirty. All right. So the dirty version of Lucky Pierre... Uh, is basically, I'm going to try basically a threesome and Lucky Pierre's in the middle. When the middle combatant has to have... Are they fighting? Where the middle participant is... <laughs> I Don't explain a home run, you have a heart attack. Well, the middle participant is both entering and being entered, is all I'm saying. Oh. Whatever combo you want, um, but that's what Lucky Pierre is. Okay. Um, and then there's also The Adventures of Lucky Pierre, uh, which I thought was a little bit lighter to talk about, and I wanted to look at Is it. Is that kind of like Leisure Suit Larry? Uh, yeah, kind of. So it's a 1961 nudie cutie film uh, created by exploitation filmmakers Herschel Gordon Lewis and David F. Friedman. So it's the first of its kind to be filmed in color, and the film starred c- comedian Billy Falbo. And this is a this is a skin flick. Yeah, it was it was unique for its time and genre, uh, adding successful comedy to the nudie and and sensationalist material. So basically, what it was, it looked like skit film. So like he would do little skits, and then he would be like you know a plumber, a painter, a photographer, or whatever. And then he'd just get into these situations where he gets to see ladies naked. So, like, all the trailer is him as a photographer, and he pops out from the camera with, like, like he just won the lottery and, <laughs> and uh, stuff like that. That's, like, a pretty interesting concept. I wonder, like, why they don't keep, do- why they don't keep doing that anymore. I mean, I don't know. Films. I, I feel like it's just not sexy. <laughs> uh, so that was The Adventures of Lucky Pierre. That sounds uh, pretty lucky, I guess. I'm so wanted to be there. I'm really glad that you wanted to take on explaining what the dirty version of Lucky <laughs> Pierre was because I was looking at it and I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm supposed to phrase this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought it was funny too that Hank is doubling Con on the back of his moped and Dale's just like on his own. And I just assumed that Con was like, oh, I'm not getting on the, the bike with Gribble because <laughs> yeah. like, Hank's the, clearly the biggest. He should be the one riding solo, but. But Con has pants on. Yeah, and Dale doesn't, so. <laughs> That's totally what it was. Yeah. Totally oh, dude, it. there's like sweaty desert gooch all over. He doesn't want that. Oh, he's been running around all day. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. And it's Dale who knows when he, oh, you didn't get in the pool, so he's probably bathed in the, he's had, he's had water on him in the past bit. <laughs> yeah, dirty pool water. Yeah, children. But the, they, uh, they quickly abandon all, uh, trying to ride the moped at once because they're going like nowhere and cons like it'll be faster if they walk so they start walking and they're just getting all gross and sweaty now and all of a sudden they're kind of like surrounded by some mexican people that are also uh, crossing the border and I, dale's line really cracked me up there and he's just like 
have we just been captured? <laughs> and they're yeah. all like, they're all just walking in the line, and they get to uh, a river crossing. And now Khan claims that he can't swim, so he wants to jump onto Hank's back. And Dale opens up his shirt to reveal like five packs of smokes taped to his chest. <laughs> so he rips those off, and I think he had like two in his pocket or on his hat or something. He puts them on his head as he's walking across, and. Hank agrees to yeah, piggyback Con across, or sorry, piggyback Con across the river. And I'm pretty sure there's a little deleted scene here, isn't there, Denim? Well, yeah, I couldn't remember what was actually in it and what was in the deleted because mm. it seems like it's just an alternate. Like Con didn't seem like in the deleted scene he came out right and said that he was the one who. Knew he knew about the condo. Yeah, like in the show, he says, "Oh, I knew about the condo the whole time. Thanks for being a good friend, Hank." And then Hank dumps him into the water. Yeah. In the in the alternate one, I think he's just being annoying, and Hank just dumps him into the water. Yeah, because he's squeezing Hank's head with his thighs. Yeah. <laughs> or something. He is, and then he does eventually say, like the line in he the says, it, he does? "Yeah, he oh, does." Okay. He goes, "I'm sorry, I, I did that." So it was just an extended like. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was actually a funny one too, and. Speaking of the river, um, Spanish for big river. The Rio Grande is the river that they're uh, they're crossing. Rio Grande. And it is uh, it's either the fourth or fifth fourth or fifth longest river system in North America. It's starting in Colorado. The Rio Grande snakes through New Mexico, eventually forming the Texas Mexico border before draining into the Gulf of Mexico. What's the other fourth or fifth? I don't know. It was why like, are they fighting? Because people have different uh, like opinions of where it should start the measurement. So like it could, it's just like a little bit shorter, and it just makes it like a little bit less long than whatever the fourth one is. But I see, I see. So you could really say that they're covered in Rio Grande mud. Oh yeah. If there's any ZZ Top fans, <laughs> you get it later. Um, and uh, there was one thing that I just quickly wanted to touch on. Uh, we haven't talked about it much this season, but uh, it's the first time that I actually noticed this. It was out of the do's and don'ts. So for those of you who haven't heard me talk about the do's and don'ts before, it's a quick list given to the animators of what they can and cannot do in animating King of the Hill. And a lot of it has to do with characters, but some of it has to do with specific animation. And what I noticed here that I haven't really noticed in season one was the water animation on clothing because there's a strict rule where they uh, just need to color the piece of clothing that is wet darker than the original color uh, and not have any black uh, defined lines between it. And a lot of the time I haven't even noticed when somebody gets wet that they do any sort of animation when they are really supposed to pay close attention to detail. And they did it here. And uh, it's not often that you see when somebody does get wet that the clothing actually changes and, and here it does. So uh, I, I just was thinking that maybe this was an episode that helped influence that rule. Or one that they kind of looked back on the do's and don'ts when they were animating this episode. Because it was new people, they stuck to their Bible a little bit more. Well, maybe they just wanted to make, like, really sure that you knew that they were getting mucky in this in this river. And I think, I think you're right. And I think that's probably why they paid attention to the rule. Because yeah. they wanted it to be relevant in the script. And, you, and then you also look at them and they're like, Hank's shirt's like yellow. Yeah, that's so what I like mean. So it's like you yeah. really want them to look. Like, they've been through the ringer. Mm -hmm. Even Dale's underpants are even darker. Well, those were to start. 
it, it made me laugh when they're crossing the river and uh, Hank's like clearly like struggling with Con on his shoulders and Con's just like mighty river. <laughs> he's just, like, all of a sudden he's just back on vacation, like yeah. admiring his scenery. So now everybody's out of the river and climbing over the fence where that bit of broken bar- barbed wire is. Dale goes first, but he literally just gets a foot off the ground and Hank has to push him over. And well, then same with Con even. Hank helps Con over too. And it's just Hank left there when the border guard starts to come by. But yeah, that the border scene here really reminded me of like Machete. I thought there was going to be like guys, I thought it was going to be like vigilantes. Like I thought they were just out of the frying pan into the fire mm-hmm. with this. Like it would have been just kind of perfect to leave Mexico where they're trying to leave so bad, get back into America and just treated just like Hank was discussing earlier when the system sometimes fails. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, it sounds like it's not as intense, or at least maybe not unfortunately. Look how easy it is to get into this country. Oh, I can't believe I had to learn a Bill of Rights. When am I going to use that? You'd be surprised, Con. I take the Fifth on a daily basis. Does anybody want to know a little bit about the Fifth Amendment? Or do you know pretty much your I Fifth? I mean, I know that you can't, you don't have, you don't, you have the right not to incriminate yourself. That's what the Fifth is, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah. I, yeah. I know people always are like, I'm pleading the Fifth here and just going to not say anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't understand all this legalese. <laughs> Plus, they, I don't have amendments, so. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, Hank uh, finally shows how tired he is and how tired he should be from walking across the desert for hours and probably just not eating and drinking any water and he can't make it over the fence and the border guards are coming. Dale has scurried behind a shrub and he's because he's already over the fence. So is Con. Con scurried up Hank's back like a little spider monkey and, <laughs> and he was gone. But Hank's like screaming for Dale and for anyone to help him and then he finally at the last minute when the spotlights are closing in on him, Con shows up and reaches over to take his hand and help him over the fence. Welcome to Land of Opportunity, Hank. <laughs> so now, did I miss something here? Like, where, like, how do we just, how do they get out of here? They're just, they just run. They're just home free now. That, yeah, it's just home free. That it's... Jeep just never, never made it. Yeah, pretty much. Apparently they just scurried off, but. Because I was kind of like, what the hell? And then, like, even in the deleted scenes, there's not. Yeah. So I was kind of like, hmm, they just really wanted to wrap this one up. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought it was... That was funny because like when Hank's panicking for somebody to help him, Con's like, Gribble's gone. Take my hand. And it's like that's the second time that Dale's just escaped when there's been like yeah. trouble. And he shows up uninvited. Like Dale yeah. is the worst friend you could have. <laughs> well, he comes and goes on his own accord. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, the end of this episode, um, I don't know. I guess we're just going to – we're going to – before like we talk about the ending of the episode, there was another – sort of closure ending for just um, Luann and Peggy. And it was hard to really see what was actually happening because it was an animatic. But I think Peggy was taking the pair that she uh, bought in Mexico and was repackaging it into the box that she was supposed to deliver because she obviously felt bad that it was just a pair, it wasn't drugs. So I think that's what was going on, but it was an animatic, so it was hard to tell. That's what I got from it, too, because I watched it as well. Yeah. Because I was confused at first as well. I was like, why? Like, I thought she crushed the box. Why? Yeah, what I is think that? she was just, like, trying to mm-hmm. do a good thing. But then I really like what Luann comes in, and Luann says, those stupid scientists at the FDA don't know nothing. 
Yeah. <laughs> and then just like walks through, he's like, my liver hurts. Yeah. <laughs> and like when I first watched the episode the first time around, I missed that scene where they sent the family home. So I thought that like when the boys are back home in the alley, that the the family was just left in Mexico. And I was like, wait a second, like what the hell? Yeah. So the only thing that got left in Mexico was uh, Nancy's car. And <laughs> La Bomba. And La Bomba. <laughs> but yeah, we as you were as you alluded to, the boys are having beers in the alley with Khan. Khan's really laying on his how proud he is to be an American. Ah, you get in a baby way. I had to memorize all presidents. You couldn't do it. That stretch between Polk and a Buchanan wipe you out. You ever hear of Garfield? He more than a cartoon cat, you know. He part of history of my country. Obviously referring to the president. <laughs> I like how they made Khan, like, they like, begrudgingly made him, like, a member of the guys for here because they just shared this harrowing nightmare with each other. But <laughs> yeah. He just doesn't get that you're just supposed to say yup and sip your beer. <laughs> yeah, he's just non, just, that's why they don't invite him, because he just keeps talking. Yeah. Yeah. So, you couldn't do it. I'm smarter than you. <laughs> Then that closes out the episode. Is that a long one or what? That was a long fucking episode. Um, shall we bring it to a speed round of final thoughts? Sure. I mean, um, I can take the first one here. Boom. I laughed really hard at this one. Mm-hmm. I really, I think it's a bit of a rocky, as far as the story goes, I did. it has a lot of, it jumps a lot of places pretty damn liberally. But yes. the characters are good, and I like them. And, I mean, even Dale showing up is sort of to his character to be that fucking ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I uh, I really like this episode. I laughed a lot. I still think it's funny. Like, I watched it a bunch of times, and I'm not sick of it. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like... I always remember when I was like, when I used to watch The Simpsons when it was like newer and the episodes that they started to like be not as funny anymore. Mm -hmm. I did really like the ones where they just took The Simpsons and went to Australia or like went to just another country and went Mm -hmm. on a vacation because like that's the most believable way to put these familiar characters in a brand new situation without it being too far of a stretch, you know, Homer bought a bowling alley now you know or like homer's yeah. hanging out with tom brady like just you know like you can make it insane by going to australia so then i really like these episodes where they can introduce such absurdity so easily totally and mexico is a great place for that and it's very believable believable within where they are from uh so yeah it's a it's a nice it's a fun situation that they're put in and i agree with you i liked this one uh, I really liked the pacing of this episode. I felt like it got through a lot of what story needed to happen um, very concisely, uh, which was good. And I liked some of the jokes. I liked that we got Khan. Uh, I really liked seeing Toby Huss or hearing Toby Huss. And uh, I really wish that flashback of the Canada one with Cotton was in the episode. Yeah. Just because I want that shout out, but I, it's I mean, okay. You're right, but just that accent was. Yeah, it was so rough. Bad. It was rough. So uh, with the accent, I'll give this one uh, one half condo, and six paper mache frogs. Me, Todd.
Nice. Uh, yeah, I like this episode. Uh, like Dana mentioned, it's always fun with a change of scenery, like wherever they're going. And it's always, I mean, usually it's never just the hills that go somewhere. Usually it's like, you know, Dale shows up or there's this, you know, Con and Min and Connie are there too. And yeah, it was a, a really good episode. It was one that I didn't remember um, that well. So it was a lot of fun to rewatch it and talk about it again. And I have no complaints. Yeah, that is another thing. Like, I, I know I've seen this one before. But when I went to go and think about it, I was like, oh, someone to go to Mexico. But like, what? I was like, what happens in Mexico? I don't actually remember. It was me too, because there is so many tie-ins to Mexico throughout the series. So I was like, well, what is this? Is this like Peggy being an idiot? Yeah. Or is this like, yeah. no, it's like, this is, it was Hank just trying to have a nice weekend where he could have some beers and talk about well, mowing lawns. Another thing I'm wondering, is that WD-40 bit redone? Because like, is that, does he do that? Is this, this is the first time he's done it, but. Uh, I think that's the only bit, but it. WD-40 is mentioned. No, just yeah. I meant with the little one to open the big one. Yeah, as, as far as I can remember, that's the only one. Okay. But. I feel like there is another scene, though, where he does use a little version of a tool on another tool. Uh, but I can't remember what episode it is. It's not WD-40 on another WD-40, uh, but it's like a small wrench on a bigger wrench or something like that. Well, that's just leverage. <laughs> All right. And with that, <laughs> let's get a final... Round table, we Matanya to close it out. We Matanya! Somebody open the door, I'm sweating. Here comes another song about Mexico. Well, I just can't help myself I lost my old lady Got my lures, got my bobbers Now I'm gonna go Got off in the wrong direction Found a hooker and lost my erection So I had to lie In the letter to the boys back home Had to lie, had to lie Well, the good guy Side by side in the cantinas Talk to senoritas and drink warm beer Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpot or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpot or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Yeehaw! Hey, what you crying for, boy? It's a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us.